Tom Selleck was nearly cast as Indiana Jones. Uh, um, Gwyneth Paltrow nearly played Rose in Titanic. Ronald Reagan uh, was nearly in Casablanca. Russell Brand almost played Superhands in Peep Show. There you go, Ruben. (laughs) Exactly. That's the one. That's the reference I was looking for. Uh, I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? (laughs) It's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the Football Spin. It's Football Spin on a Tuesday morning. 1st of September, here we are, we made it, uh, Dion Fanny, I don't know why I'm that excited about September, just feels like it's a, it's a milestone, Dion Fanning is here, Ruben Pinder is here, um, this of course is the football spin, we're going to be talking about football on the show, we're going to be talking about uh, Ancelotti's Everton Revolution, um, Arteta's Arsenal Revolution, Jack Grealish getting the big call up, but first of all, uh, Dion Fanning and Ruben Pinder, I don't know if you've both been burn- burning the midnight oil separately? reviewing one of the televisual or streaming events of the year. It's, I was going to say the Spurs documentary, but really, is it the Jose documentary, Dion? Um, it is. It is. Uh, I, do you know those, you know those like lists that you see sometimes like, uh, you know, great actors who almost played a role and it's like, you know, uh, or actors who could have been cast in in a in an iconic role instead of the person who you will forever associate with that iconic role. So, like Tom Selleck was nearly cast as Indiana Jones, uh, and Gwyneth Paltrow nearly played Rose in Titanic. Ronald Reagan uh, was nearly in Casablanca. Russell Brand of... almost played Superhands in Peep Show. There you go, Ruben. <laughs> exactly. That's the one. That's the reference I was looking for. Uh, and in this film, there is a clear example of what this what, uh, what this documentary is film because it does feel like uh, it's it's uh, the opening scenes of the first of the first episode when the Tottenham manager is uh, Maurizio Pochettino, and it it it's you get this little glimpse of what this documentary could have been. Uh, or would have been if Pochettino had stayed as as Tottenham's manager. There is some really, really... Basically, I think there would have been a lot more banter about the clothes, basically, because there is one terrible, terrible scene where Daniel Levy and Pochettino are uh, at at an NFL game at the new Tottenham Stadium and... uh, Levy, Levy is admiring admiring Poch's his jumper and he says it's cashmere is it and Poch kind of laughs and says yes it is and and that's it that is that is the chemistry that seems to exist in in the in the all or nothing starring Maurizio Pochettino we would have you know there, there would have been lots and lots of talk about uh, the fabric in their jumpers those are two um, men who are definitely colleagues and not friends 
Yes, although they, you know, well, they, look yeah. forward to being friends again. But yeah, he anyway, said, he said they went on holiday, didn't he? But you didn't get that impression from that conversation. You really didn't get that impression, and you won. It's very easy just to wonder then, looking at that, how would this? How would we have kept watching this if uh, Pochettino, who had got to the Champions League final the year before, now you know there was a lot of talk at that point about how maybe the, like they were reaching the end. Spurs players were were worn down by his methods. Uh, Pochettino might have, you know, he's been linked with every job, every big job in, in club football. Um, but luckily, we don't really ever have to worry about that because from the point of view of the documentary, Daniel Levy made the right decision when he, when he then went on to dismiss Pochettino and hire against Against most people, most people wondering why has he done this, and in a football sense, you would still have to wonder why has he done this. But at least there is some consolation in that we have the man playing the role of his life, the man playing the role he was born to play. Jose Mourinho. It's basically like this is like watching Hugh Grant and Paddington Two. This is this is how good Jose Mourinho is. In, as, as Jose Mourinho. Uh, he gives it everything. There is just this sense of uh, just a man at ease with what he has become as a movie star. Um, and we've all seen that clip uh, that's gone around, which is, uh, which is actually one of the, you know, one of the, I didn't think it was one of the best. You know, it's clearly it's it's two staged. It's like it's two staged that piece. And I was going to say it's one of the worst pieces in the documentary, but that wouldn't be true because uh, there is a lot. There is still a lot of filler. There is uh, uh, um, a conversation between I would point a conversation with Deli Ali has with I can't remember who about what's the correct order to, oh, you, to, to, to brush your teeth. That's the worst banter I've ever seen. It's like. They're all, they're all just getting their legs rubbed down, and Delhi's like, right, how the hell to fill this time with some conversation? Yeah, hey, lads, do you wet the toothbrush first or after you put the toothbrush on? It's like, who fucking cares, man? They also really. Well, that's a that's, that's good breakfast show uh, topic there, I have to say. It's yeah. solid. But after that, it was it was really, really poor. And they, they, there's another conversation like that coming up at some point that was in a trailer about. What are the what's the best chocolate bar? And then somebody says bounty, and he's like, "Oh no, you can't do that!" It's like, Jesus Christ, that's. Yeah, yeah, no, it does feel that stuff feels like you know, like the stuff that you they they throw in bit in between bits on sort of Big Brother or something like that, just because they've got you know put out shows seven days a week or whatever. Uh, but every time Jose is on, uh, it's it's a different story. Um, I don't know what you think, Ruben. It's hard to tell how much of Jose Mourinho is uh, like putting it on for the cameras. How much of it is just him? Like, it, is he just const? Is he living a constant existence of playing this role, or is that genuinely him? Because, like you said, the the clip where he turns off the TV because the pundits are slagging him off, it did feel staged. And I can't actually work out what broadcast that was meant to be because I'm sure. Like other clips showed that they just kind of have Sky Sports News running in the background, but that won't have been Sky Sports News, I don't think. It sounded a bit more like a kind of talk sport, five live kind of discussion. I didn't recognize any of the voices though, did you? Yeah, not like they sounded vaguely familiar, but I couldn't put a name to them. 
Whereas every other clip, when they've, when they, and it's not just that there's a couple of bits with you can recognize BBC voiceover. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of every other one you kind of instantly recognize. And maybe it was something, maybe it was a London yeah. station or something. Yeah. But, but, but maybe that either, I mean, they, they probably just, maybe that was like a broadcast that lasted half an hour and he was at his desk half an hour and then they edited it really like cleverly into that kind of 10 second. Well, there's uh, also people pointing out that there was a there was a bit of continuity issue there with that. Uh, really? He seemed to have the remote control in his left hand, and then as he says, "Fuck off." Yeah. Uh, but equally, equally, speaking of, can't trust anything Jose does now. Can no, we? you can't. But equally, the, 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 what what did you notice? What Jose Mourinho says more than anything else, it's in the "fuck off" uh, ballpark. Did you notice the the phrase Jose Mourinho seems to use more than any other? What's that? Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. Fucking hell. He just says it like in any context. Uh, you know, I'll have, I'll have, you know, some poached eggs, please. Fucking hell. <laughs> we have to be intense today, guys. Fucking yeah, hell. Fucking yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he loves it. Uh, but it's like you learn, you learn one like foreign swear word phrase and it kind of it sticks with you, I guess. Um, He's pretty good at swearing. With that that yeah, other yeah. clip where he's describing how he wants this team to play. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and he knows uh, the difference between, you know, um, nice guys and effing C bombs and things like that. So that which they bleeped out. Um, yeah, that was that, true. That, that clip got leaked, didn't it? Uh, yeah. Um, he's so you guys have watched how many? Like so, what? How, so this is Amazon Prime's. We should say, yeah. All or nothing is the name of the documentary. The documentary. All or nothing. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Not even the Jose show, but yeah. And does it feel episodes. all or nothing? Does it is that does it feel like this is the right title for this documentary? How many episodes have you watched? There's only been three so far. They're releasing okay. them weekly. I think all or nothing as a title works a lot better for like the city one or like the all blacks or I don't know. Like I know they've done a few NFL ones, but like all or nothing does kind of suggest that it's the team at the very top going for literally every trophy or sort of thing. Which, so, which doesn't really fit here, but I guess that's kind of, it's not that important, really. No, um, although you could view it, if again, if they turned it into the Jose Mourinho uh, documentary, if they gave it that title, you could see it as all or nothing in the sense that this is a guy who's been, whose who's reputation is, uh, like Libya at one point says, uh, you know, there are two, uh, well, he, I can't believe he says basically there's one other great uh, coach in world football, work and he's working in the Premier League. Uh, and there are two great coaches in world football. One is at another club in the Premier League, and this, and we've got Jose Mourinho. Now it seems like a bit of a burn of Pochettino. Clearly, he's referring to Pep. Probably put some respect on Klopp's name. I know, no, it's a, it's a ludicrous thing he's... to say, but but if you're picking up Jose, that's yeah. probably what you do say. But also, the the story, if you want to make it all or nothing, is this was the man who had it all. Every club in the world wanted to employ him. Now, he's, now he's ended up at Tottenham Hotspur, yeah, uh, and this is his last chance. Like that's how you would, that's how it could be uh, parlayed into, into an all or nothing, um, kind of scenario. But I did uh, like, yeah, um, it doesn't like you know we're we're six points off the top four. Doesn't really give that same sense of, <laughs> uh, you know, um, yeah. which Jose keeps talking about all the time. Uh, we were twelve points. We are six points. We're six points. Come on. Um, that is just what they were aiming for, though, wasn't it? Because he took over when they were in the bottom half. So yeah, but it's actually I found it um, as 
I felt it, there's a couple of reasons why I found it very poignant. I saw Barney Roney tweeting about this yesterday, saying it's just, the main thing about it is a startling reminder of how good football was, will be, schmaltzy drama, massive crowds, nothing else matters. Big overblown football drama is definitely miles better than wearing a mask, not really going out and total economic collapse. Now, I f- there was that sense in all those, uh, and the best thing sometimes about these documentaries, and this goes right back to all those great kind of official World Cup films, is you know when you're watching football matches filmed at different angles to the you know from the TV gantry, and you just see uh, you know shots of the crowd and players talking to each other in different ways and engaging with each other and moves that you would you would be familiar with from a different angle, and that's just something kind of. Uh, hypnotic about that um and i felt that watching it kind of looking at all these crowds and the energy and the expectation that sense of god that was good yeah I, was it really made me good. it made me really miss going to games yeah the sense of crowd you know the shots of crowds going to matches going leaving stadiums um and especially in the first three episodes which you could use as a metaphor for Jose Mourinho's career, really, because we know what's going to happen, unfortunately. But uh, the first three episodes, is like, yes, they're going to do it, more or less, until they lose to Chelsea. That, like that West Ham game when they went, were they like they were two 0 up at half time, and then they went three 0 up. Yeah, and they suddenly, suddenly, they all looked really good again. Yeah, um, and there's a few. Kelly yeah, pulled off that flick on when he was lying on the ground. Yeah, and, then, and, and then there's that clip of Jose shouting, Delhi, that's your goal. Like, oh, it's magnificent. Yeah. It's like, I believe. I believe <laughs> I remember, in Jose. I remember tweeting at the time, I was like, Jose's going to get Delhi Alley back in the England squad, isn't he? Didn't happen. But um, I, I enjoyed the bits with uh, with Delhi Alley, actually, because he's, he's quite an interesting, he's quite a peculiar footballer um, in the sense that he's done great things and scored a lot of goals, but when he doesn't do much, he really doesn't do anything. Um, and Jose's management of him was like, it was classic Jose. He's kind of trying to poke him by calling him lazy and trying to, you know, flame, get that fire in his belly going again. Um, and yeah, I, I just I found, found that quite quite interesting and, and the way Delhi reacted to it. So to compare it to another football documentary that people will remember in recent times that people really enjoyed um, for the cast of characters, which I think it sounds like, all or nothing has well, obviously a leading man anyway to beat them all. Uh, Sunderland until I die. Thing about Sunderland until I die was, <clears throat> first of all, it was there was a there was a bit of a remove, so you're kind of forgotten. How how exa- did Sunderland did they get into the playoffs? Even you kind of had enough time to forget the details of Sunderland season, and even when they went into League One, you're like, geez, I can't even remember if they went up or if they if they got into the playoffs. Like this is very fresh. Like, this is very recent. Like so, um, does that level of proximity does it add to or take from the events? Because you can remember the Daily Alley stuff so clearly because it was only, you know, it was only <laughs> ten months ago or whatever, eleven months ago. Yeah, I think I think it adds to it because it because like the documentaries come out before the the new season starts, so it's kind of like a real window into. Well, I mean, obviously it's like a big fancy PR job, but it's still a window into the. Spurs team right now pretty much ahead of what we're about to see so um, I think in that sense it's better to that, it, that it's really fresh as opposed to like all happened a year ago yeah I think it, and I think it has 
uh, a poignancy too because of the uh, like because on on two elements one the um, uh, crowds obviously in that sense of football um, as you know as as this drama that has a obviously a, it's hugely poignant but then there is the poignancy that as I said like if you were to how many parts are there in this Ruben ten. Uh, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure, but yeah, they're coming out weekly. I'm not sure whether they'll come out in clusters or not, but, um, but yeah, they'll be. It should be around ten, I think. Yeah. Well, say you want to just put it as a kind of you know that these uh, that this like you could see this series is as I said is probably just symbolizes if this was if this if this series was was Jose Mourinho's career, we'd probably be at 2007 now. We'll be entering just the the, the, the autumn of 2007, and. Uh, you know everything is everything seems possible, and the fact that you know that that's going to not going to happen, um, uh, and you know the, the 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 Jose you see in this is for the most part the kind of charming, uh, engaged Mourinho. It's possible at times to kind of think, yeah, I can see why players uh, would would want to you know players in the in, uh, it, you know, mainly players fifteen years ago, but players nonetheless would have wanted to um, play for him. Would have felt committed to him. Like he is, you know. There's that, and then again, it, it's it's perhaps a bit forced, but there is that sense. You know, when he's first meeting the players and he's talking to them and he's saying, "Harry Kane, you know, I'll have a chat with you tomorrow morning. What have you got? Two kids? Go home. They'll be asleep. You got to see your kids. Um, this kind of stuff." And it's like, "Oh, there he is. There's the man management." That's the man manager to Jose, and Harry's Harry's delighted with that. And I don't know what, what you think, Ruben. The, the Harry Kane um, Jose Mourinho relationship seems like a, an interesting one, and, I, and like it's it's also I think quite revealing in terms of Harry Kane's role at Tottenham because uh, you know Harry Kane is delivering this pre-match talk in every before in every game. There's one match I think in the first three episodes where Mourinho says. Uh, I think it's the Burnley game. Yeah, he he talks instead. Yeah, who's going yeah. to uh, who who will I talk? Will you talk? And Jose says he'll talk, and he basically stresses that if they win this one and they do well, they'll have a day off. Uh, and they win five nil, I think. Um, and uh, then the next one, Harry Kane's back. I was going to, I was just interested to see if Harry would try and you know the way players. Are. I've learned a lot from every manager I've worked for. I wonder if Harry was going to dangle a, a day off in front of the players <laughs> when he gave his talk but it's it but it's just kind of interesting in terms of uh where where he you know clearly he's such an important player for spurs but at the same time you sometimes forget on the outside that the the power and role that players who've been at a club especially someone like harry kane it's similar to kind of john terry at chelsea um, in that sense, that the players who who are kind of who've been at a club a long time, how they 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 sort of hover sort of parallel in a kind of you know they're not directly below, especially these days, they're not directly below managers working for managers. They're in a kind of slightly they're in their own little sort of pod, um, and it's interesting from that point of view with Kane, although he is then also um, he is not, and Mourinho says this in the in the documentary, he's not. Uh, a leader by stirring words. He's a leader by example. And yet he is still there doing this sort of pre-match 
team talk. I don't know what you think about their relationship. Well, I wondered whether he would be doing those team talks if Lloris was playing um, in those games because he was wearing the armband and Gazaniga was in goal. So I wonder whether he always does them. But um, evidently, like the players all have massive respect for Harry Kane, as uh, as as he'd expect, because he's a leader by example and he sets himself the highest of professional standards, which is, I think, probably the main thing that makes him that leader, as well as all the goals that he scores. But, um, I mean, his team talks weren't particularly... They, he definitely didn't write them down beforehand, let's say that. Um, where, where I think, was it the Olympiacos at home Champions League game when he, he kind of tried to get... He tried to say something and it just came out as fucking chances, goals. We, we fucking qualify. And it was, and then you know, it seemed to work. Though I mean, they all they all let out a roar, and, and then they went and won. So, um, yeah, Kane was always going to be a dream, like striker from Mourinho, because they both have that kind of tunnel vision, um, like the cliche of like a winning mentality. But like Kane just wants to get better and better and better and score as many goals as he can. And Jose loves that kind of. Um, a player that determined who like Jose doesn't really have to do any tricks to motivate Harry Kane, which is why they, they make such a good pair actually. But um on, on the on the note of um having that sort of tunnel vision attitude, did did you see the bit when before they play Chelsea, Lampard is on the T V and Christian Eriksen says to Jose, <laughs> Is he a good guy? And Jose's like, Frank, yes. And then he kind of does like a tunnel vision um gesture, meaning like Frank was really determined as a player. And Ericsson's kind of like, yeah, I've, I've just I've just handed in a transfer request. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that no, was, there was, it was cold. Well, it was funny that because it also does sort of it that kind of gave you a glimpse into the problem with Mourinho because uh, he is there talking about old players and players he's uh, players he's worked with previously, and there is a there is a sense then of okay, like. When I was looking at that, going, okay, if you're a player there, okay, he's only been at Spurs a short period of time, but um, uh, like he's he's holding up this player he worked with um, thirteen years ago as as you know the best professional he's ever worked with, and uh, yeah, and there is this sort of this, this sort of thing hangs in the air about about you know players like Christian Eriksen there, and it kind of that conversation just sort of peters out into nothing. Um, yeah, and, and then there's it, it, yeah. it proper Ericsson trying to be like, well, you know, please don't, don't hate me. Like, like, let's have a little <laughs> breakfast chat. And then Mourinho still takes the opportunity to have a little dig at his at his attitude, basically. And is there is that before or after the the Mourinho uh, chat with with uh, Levy about um, about Ericsson and he said, yeah, when, when, he says, when they say, yeah, try again, try one like last. Kept, then yeah. you can say, you know, Levy says, try have one last chat with him. Uh, and see if you can. Now, I, I wonder. I found that a little. I, I, I wonder about that conversation in terms of whether what they know, what they really know about what's going on, and what they really understand to be happening. Because I find that a bit. Uh, yeah, and would would that conversation happen in the canteen as well? I know. Yeah, I mean the cameras are hidden, but ultimately, like they know they're there. So. Yeah, and the, but there is, um, and the dynamic then between Levy and Mourinho is a, is a, is a different. There is still that Levy does seem a little bit more uh, like he's not going to be talking to Jose about his cashmere jumpers necessarily. He hasn't reached that point yet, but he's also there. You can see he's um, he's uh, 
he's you know he's he's kind of I wouldn't say in awe of, but he's definitely like there to learn from Mourinho and he's there to listen to Mourinho. And it's kind of always a reminder of um, the number of managers like Spurs have gone through through under Levy and uh, how many, you know, that like until Pochettino, they were really were a kind of, there was such a mixed bag of managers. Yeah. That, uh, Harry, right. Yeah. ABB, yeah. Um, that it's you know it's a kind of reminder that this is this is one of the few times that they've had, uh, you know they would they could be looking at a manager and going you know, okay we've got somebody who has done all those things. Pochettino was on the way to doing all these things, but it's not like you know he's he sat he sat in the canteen with Tim Sherwood. You know it, this is this is different. This is Mourinho and. Um, there is that sense from from the from the documentary of you know okay we've got Jose Mourinho at Tottenham Jose Mourinho he talks about that I think with with Harry Kane yeah he has a chat with Harry Kane about uh, where he wants to get to in the game and like you know he says I am universal you know I am somebody who's like at the at universal stature and he's basically saying you know I am I am better known than Tottenham Hotspur. If you want, if you want to get to the level that you want to get to, I'm your man because I'm at that level too. Um, and the, the the unfortunate thing for Tottenham is that he, as this, as the season unfolds, we kind of realise that, as not realised because most people suspected this when he was appointed that Jose isn't at that level anymore. But I think the interesting thing for the documentary's point of view will be to see what they have. Of that now, you would really like to be able to send the cameras in again in about eighteen months' time when it's turned toxic. Oh yeah, big time! That would be, that would be when you'd really like to uh, to get the cameras in there. But uh, but no, for the moment, it is Jose Mourinho <laughs> in the role of his life? <laughs> and presumably, that's why Jose has agreed to this because he knows those the first flush. Of love and the new relationship, it won't be. It, it'll be fit for consumption, and it won't be as. It'll be okay for him to be part of that. We haven't seen anything so far in these three episodes of the darker side of Jose's character, have we? No, yeah, not really. Right. Uh, just that I suppose that idea that they they're you know he wants them to be you know dropping the sea bomb and wanting them to be nastier, okay. but like that's not really the that's not no. really what you would. I, I'm looking forward to the Ongi Ndombele stuff, if there is any later on. Because at the moment, he has not Vindictive featured... Vindictive Jose. Yeah. He has not fe- featured one bit, like even less than he did in for Spurs on the pitch. He's like, he, he's just been in a few shots if he's played a game sort of really early on in the season. So I wonder how much of that they'll include. Because obviously, like, it, Jose's singled him out as, as the player that he's going to try to make an example of so it'd be interesting to see how much of that they include okay well um that's the uh all or nothing tottenham hotspur the amazon prime documentary which is available now and uh we'll we'll check back in over the weeks to see how it's going for jose uh who is trying to bring revolution to white hart lane but a lot of clubs are trying to bring revolution to their clubs uh including everton and um well i've i've previously talked about the ancelotti revolution on this show and I've been uh, mocked for that. But, uh, well, it kind of went off the rails a little bit. I will acknowledge that towards the tail end of last season. 
But if I say the words, Dion, James Rodriguez to Everton, well, you know, I don't think I would have really believed it, but it looks like it's going to happen. Still plenty of time for Everton to get this wrong and him not to come to Everton and to end up, you know, PSG, Qatar, wherever. Um, but it would be an incredible signing for Everton. Like, they've had their statement signings. You know, they did bring Rooney back, which was definitely, it was a big move. They've spent a lot of money on players. But this guy, James Rodriguez, in previous years anyway, would say up to 2018, was amongst the best 50 footballers in the world. Everybody remembers his goal for Colombia at the World Cup. It's a big move. It's a big move for Everton. It's a huge move for Everton. And it's... Uh... Um, it's an exciting move for them. Uh, whether you know, it looks like it's going to go through. And again, um, you know, we can't. We you know, we have to. We have to give. We have to look at Everton and say that this is exciting business. We can't always uh, refer back <laughs> to, to Richard Keyes's tweet. Uh, Come on, uh, we can't always. I'll you know, be wrong, Dion. It would be wrong. It would be small-minded and wrong to keep harking back to that one. Um, so instead, we'll uh, look forward. Just, just, and I think it's probably for ever for Evertonians as much as anything. Just to be aware that there is there is um, there is a title always out there to be the kind of kings of the summer. Even though we're now into a kind of you know it's 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 uh, it's, not, it's not summer anymore. It's first of September, as you said, Paddy, and the leaves are getting a little browner. The red turns grey, as the poet said. And uh, they're now, uh, you know, we're not, we're not in the summer. But Everton can still claim that title with these signings. And what they'll need to do then is for Ancelotti. And they do have the right man to do that. And he does seem like an Ancelotti player. He's played for him before. He's also that type of player that Ancelotti is good at get, getting the best out of. Because he lets, he lets talent, he lets them kind of breathe. And he lets them be talent. And he lets them express themselves and uh um he doesn't get to he doesn't micromanage um so i think it could be a good combination i saw a lot of um fans jumping on the tweet from the weekend which was ancelotti mr ancelotti on twitter i believe in positive reinforcement attitude and commitment are key for performance um a tweet that and, a, and an instagram post that was liked by both James Rodriguez and Allen, who's also on his way apparently from Napoli to Everton. So the like this is uh, the word at on Goodison at Goodison was that Everton weren't going to spend a lot of money for FFP reasons. They have a lot of players on big wages on the books, and for FFP to work as Man City are finding out, you need to sell. You need to sell and make a lot of money if you're going to spend a lot of money on wages on players. But here we have Everton who are going to splash the cash on Allen and they're seemingly going to splash the cash on James Rodriguez. Um, what do you think? Do you think that he can fit into the uh, into the Everton system? How will he fit in at Goodison Park? I think they'd both be brilliant signings. Um, I think, how old is Rodriguez now? He must be about 29. Uh, yeah. Uh, so his peak came like in the 14-15 season really after the 2014 World Cup um, when he was actually allowed to play as a 10 for Real Madrid before um, that before Casemiro came back from his loan and then they basically completely dropped him altogether. But um, he's still good. And like Ancelotti obviously rates him because he played him as a 10 that season, took him to Bayern Munich on loan a few years later. 
Um, and like, there's no reason to suggest that Hummers can't still be brilliant. Um, I wonder where he'd fit in because, I mean, this this four four two that Ancelotti likes to play is quite is a proper throwback to like the early noughties of like not really bothering to have to have a defensive midfielder um, and just kind of shoehorning everybody in. But it seems to work somehow. So maybe he'll play on the right of a four four two. Maybe he'll switch up the formation. If Allen joins as well, then that does provide a lot more defensive cover. So I mean, I, I think it's it's a it's a very Everton signing in the sense that because Everton are trying to be, they've always tried to be the best of the rest, right? So all of their signings are either like um, players that the big six don't need anymore or players that are too good for their bottom half club. So you get like Richarlison from Watford and then you take Iwobi from Arsenal and and players like that. And like Dean from Barcelona, did he come from Barcelona or PSG? It was Barcelona, wasn't it? Barca, yeah. Yeah, and then and then James coming from from Real Madrid. It's like we take it, it's a good, it's a pretty good system, really, um, for for a club like Everton. And and James would be adored there, wouldn't he? Like, cause he he'd, he'd be such a glamour signing, but he wouldn't necessarily be like a stupid glamour signing. Like, he's twenty nine, so he's not got that long left. But like, given how little he's going to cost, because a Real Madrid are desperate to get his wages off the books, and b the the kind of Covid discount almost, and and um, the pool with with Ancelotti there, like you'd hope that he would be able to get Hamas's best performances back out of him. So I'd be very excited about that if I was an Everton fan, and it's and about Alan from from Napoli, who is not really a defensive midfielder in in the sense that he doesn't sit back and hold, but he he's a, he's a lot more box to box, but kind of more defensive orientated he's like a defensive number eight almost so and like his kind of all action ability to get up and down the pitch would be i like ideal for for the 4-4-2 because you need you need like egg uh, legs and energy in midfield so andre gomez alan james rodriguez you know richarlison dcl whoever i think i i think that's like a very good kind of basis of, of, of for what everton want want to achieve but um you never know it could all go horribly wrong I think there's there seems to be a lot of room there for that potential uh, eventuality. Pad, as well. Paddy, just want to ask you a question. Just, Go on. Uh, no, it just struck me there was something. Um, now clearly you would have you would know this anyway because of your you know professional responsibilities and the dedication and research you do for for the show. But there was a way mm. you said twenty nine when. Uh, Ruben wanted to know what age James was. The way you said it, I was like, this is a man I, who has spent the last four days, you know, outside work and family duties, maybe longer, just immersed in the life and times of James Rodriguez. How many Rodriguez, James Rodriguez YouTube videos have you watched in the last few days? Yeah, I've watched quite a few, Dion. Yeah. I won't lie. <laughs> he scored a lot of bangers that season at Real Madrid, didn't he? Yeah, He's, he scored a lot of goals that season. Um, he did. He did. He could, he could replace Sigurdsson as your as your ten bangers a season. But not yeah, yeah. That <laughs> That's who he's up against. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson for that coveted number ten jersey at Everton. Did they, get, uh, did they give it to him? 
<laughs> well, look at. Suppose you just uh, Ancelotti just have to sit down with uh, Gilfie and just spell it out for him. This is the way it is, Gilfie. Um, yeah, no, look at. I I have spent a lot of time checking up on James Rodriguez. It's one of those signings that you just think. He's first got, of all, he's you in think, the dossier yet. It's it's not going to happen, and then and then the rumors begin to grow, and it does bring me back. Uh, do you remember when Everton were almost signed? Juan Roman Raquelme in like yes. 17 consecutive transfer windows. Yes, yes, yes. I don't, I don't remember those links. Yeah, well, it was, yeah. it was maybe just a little before your time. Uh, before his Villarreal days? It was, yeah, it was It was in the mid-noughties. But right. essentially, John Lennon Airport, every transfer deadline day, Juan Roman Raquelme would be spotted. Also, before social media, where you would now need a picture to really back up that claim, this would be just a baggage handler at John Lennon that would say, I've just seen Juan Roman Raquelme. And you know he wasn't going to Liverpool, he was going to Everton. And this feels like we've been, Everton fans have been waiting for this player. And I think James Rodriguez fits that bill. He is our... He's the the ghost, although he's still alive. But Raquel May Rodriguez, it's 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 arrived. This is our moment. I'm just looking at this because I was just looking. I I just wanted to get to the back, like some of the information on that uh, Raquel May, uh, and I didn't know this. I was just looking at a story from a few years ago on Football Three Six Five. We've had a transfer rumor that managed to dupe a video game, but a link which is even which has tricked even the official website of the club involved. In the summer of 2000, that would, ne- that would never happen. In the summer of 2007, Juan Roman Raquelme was so regularly linked with Everton that the club decided enough was enough, announcing the deal via their official website. <laughs> yeah, they just said, yeah, fuck it, we're going in here. <laughs> Within an hour, the story was pulled with a club spokesman providing the following explanation during the process of uploading the new homepage design, blah, 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 blah. Uh, example yeah. data had been used, blah blah blah. And this was unfortunately missed by an appointed web development company during the final up- upload. <laughs> God, that is amazing. That is tragic. <laughs> that's like up there in the transfer. That's kind of in the in the Everton, like alongside the uh, the the uh, Champions League in two thousand and five. Like that's almost like a sort of transfer. Uh, version of that so close and um, but yet so far yeah brave move at the time as it was <clears throat> that self-fulfilling prophecy kind of approach if we just announce him he, he will be our player but here look at we're putting that in that's in the past now Dion we're now in the Everton where thanks to Moshiri's wads of cash that Everton can attract these very stylish much coveted players We'll see how Rodriguez goes at Everton. Well, he has to sign first of all, but uh, all indications are that he will be signing at uh, Merseyside this week. Um, let's very quickly talk about a couple of things, lads, as the time racks up. Um, Arsenal, uh, now the Community Shield champions, if there is such a thing, and all indications being that Aubameyang is going to stay now at Arsenal. He's been persuaded to stay by everything that has happened under Mikel Arteta. It's been it's been an interesting return to play for Arsenal. If we remember how bad they were when they came back from COVID initially and uh, those really terrible displays from David Luiz and, and the entire team. Um, but Dion, this is starting to look like it's it's coming good for Mikel Arteta and for Arsenal. Well, it is. Again, it's it's early days, and there's a, probably a lot, bit too much written about 
the community shield silverware in terms of what it means for Arsenal, um, especially this season when it comes it came up comes it came along so quickly after the end of last season. But no, there's definitely encouraging signs, and the the, the most encouraging would be if they could get Aubameyang to stay. Uh, what do you think, uh, Ruben? Aubameyang. I mean, it's a huge it's a huge thing for Arsenal that he is willing now to stay at the club. Yeah, massively. He's he's their best player by a million miles, and as demonstrated by the goal that he scored against Liverpool. And I mean, somebody posted a compilation of his goals um, on Twitter, and it just kind of reminded me of like how many different types of goals he can score, and just how clinical he is at scoring mm. half chances. And if they were to lose him, then so much of their planning and, and their threat would would go out the window. Um, and also, you know, he's at that age where he can't really. He's not going to get that Real Madrid move anymore, is he? So he might as well stay and just become an absolute legend at the club and kind of spearhead the new project before eventually moving on. Okay, and very quickly, it is International Week and uh, Nations League coming up. Um, Ruben, Naz isn't here, but we are going to challenge both yourself and Naz to watch an entire Ireland match. Are you ready? You ready to accept that challenge, Bulgaria against Ireland? If James, week. if James McCarthy plays, then I'm happy. Carrying an injury, apparently, but oh, we'll see. Right. Um, but he's still in the squad. That's the good news. The Warriors report said he's left the squad. But um, bigger news is that Jack Grealish has been called up to the England squad, um, which has been greeted with much joy by Jack Grealish. Uh, his first time to be called into the England squad. Ruben. About time, isn't it? About it is a bit of time. time. It's yeah, just yeah. a shame that it took like Rashford dropping out with a knock to, to get him in because I don't think he should play as a left winger for England. I think he should play as the attacking left-sided number eight. But me and Gareth Southgate have different opinions on that. But it's good that he's there. Hopefully he gets some minutes. Um, hopefully he impresses enough to stay in the squad. Um, I think he's probably more valuable to the team than somebody like Madison because they're, they're, they're quite different. I think Grealish's qualities will be very valuable to England moving forward. So, yeah, I'm pleased to see it, even if it is very late. A dream come true to receive my first senior call-up for adding and hashtag three lions, he tweeted last night, Dion. Absolutely train wreck of replies. So I'm sure that went down well, yeah. Crazy people that are getting on board. So many factions that have something to say about that. Which, do you know what? We'll knock it into. Um, That's the world today, Paddy. It is. It is. It's. It's. It really is. I saw that apparently University Challenge, the TV show, is a t- very toxic thread. There you go. A very toxic thread. Only on Twitter. Um, I saw people tweeting about that last night. Um, so, yeah, Jack Grealish. Uh, we on Joe.ie did a piece at the weekend speaking to a sports lawyer whereby we asked the question, would it be possible for Jack Grealish to change back? <laughs> to come back and play for Ireland. We'd asked that the same question on this show. The answer, both from the sports lawyer, which was no. And again, now that Jack Greenish is called up, I'm going to be capped, is emphatically no. Um, so that's that, Dion. That's that, Jack Well, Greenish. that's what you say. Like, I don't think any... I think there's one of these things where uh, if we could find some way of sort of doctoring the rules at any point, we might try and do that. I think it's always... Or else it's just going to be... Uh, I think I think when we first talked about Jack Grealish or Declan Rice, 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 uh, you know, you brought up the uh, was it who was the girl you gave the pennant to, and you were I remember Rosemary, it. Rosemary yeah, yeah, uh, and like that's you know that that was what twenty twenty years ago more, yeah, more, and yet you still that was you know just immediately 
go-to memory image <laughs> seared seared and you know probably no i know maybe not now because you're happily married and you're a family man but yeah, yeah. you know if there was a legal way <laughs> you know you'd probably you, you would probably been up to a point in your life when you would have explored that you know make her uh, i can't even remember the details now but it was tragic story. Um, oh, it was, it so was. like we'll always feel that way about about Grealish, i think always, that's what the anger is coming from like it's it's those people who are who are abusing him, they're hurt. Hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. That's what they say, and this is the example. They're they're hurting right now, and we have to understand them. <laughs> I feel like in another twenty years' time, you'll still be talking to me about that one anecdote <laughs> beyond that. I thought oh, I'll just bring it in because it's appropriate and never be spoken about again. But here we go. Jack Grealish, Declan Rice and Rosemary. Okay. <laughs> uh, right, listen, that's it. Thanks very much, Drew and Pinder. Thanks to Dion Fanning. Thanks to you for listening. If you haven't already done so, click subscribe and you'll never miss a show. We'll be back later in the week after some of these international games. We'll be looking back at Ireland, England and the other nations um, in the, uh, all the other nations in Europe in the Nations League. Talk soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morale, bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that. Politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, I have a bad shave.